Okay. How are y'all? Yeah. Good. Just one of you is good. The rest of you. <clears throat> so we've got to use the whiteboard tonight. We haven't done this in Romans. But I'm excited because I love the whiteboard. Thank you, Domingo. Thank you, Justin. Um, yeah. And I typically don't like to linger on, like, two verses. Uh, I, I typically like to do bigger chunks. But tonight, I'm going to turn this off. Uh, but tonight, I kind of want to linger. I think this is a super, super important text for your daily life in the Lord. Um, honestly, I think this could be the ideas that he's going to present, specifically in 12.2, just Romans 12.2. Um, if you can take a hold of this idea, I think it transforms the way you move through your daily life uh, completely. I, I, I just... I want to drop down and get, honestly, as practical as we can possibly be. We've been pretty high-level theology. 9, 10, and 11 of Romans is just, it's like, good Lord, that's just too much, Paul. Um, 12 on is going to be very practical. But tonight, I mean, honestly, this is, it, for me, it, this is where the rubber meets the road in your interactions with the Lord and with the daily battles that you face. And the, your future kind of depends on how well you engage in this battle that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, so kind of the way I want to do this, I want to draw just a, a simple sketch of how say it, what a human is. I don't know. How to, uh, I'll draw it, and it'll make sense. Um, I have my large purple marker. We'll see how this goes. Okay. Um, and then we'll read the text once we kind of get an idea of what a human is, and then we'll... Um, and then y'all are going to preach the rest of the sermon for me, honestly. Uh, I want to ask you questions. I want you to answer me. Not like the how are you doing thing where only one of you answer me. I want yeah, like your input. Um, well, you'll see. So like I said, let's start with what is a human. Um, this is, okay, this is simplistic, but it's for the sake of understanding. This is not gospel. This is just a simplistic drawing to help us understand all of the faculties at work inside of us humans, okay? So let's draw it like this. We're just going to do three circles. Um, this particular way of viewing it comes from a guy that I really like. His name is Neil Anderson. Um, again, he's not an author of the Bible, but this is just a good way. Um, come on now, make it all the way around. Here we go. It's just a good way of thinking. You are a body, right? You see, when I say this is what a human is, okay. And then I want to break this one up into three. Um, let's do your emotions here. And then I'm going to do your will here. And then I'm going to do your mind here. Okay. So your body. But inside, there's an immaterial aspect to you. You have these emotions. In some of you, this is stronger than in other people. Uh, you have a mind. And in some of you, this is stronger than in other people. And then you have a will. And in some of you, this is stronger. The people that are strong here, I don't care for you too much. But 
that's fine. That's because I'm strong here. Uh, I'm an emotional person. Um, but these three faculties. Okay, and then we're going to take it a step further. And I kind of want to bring in a couple other verses to, just to give you a little anchor from where I'm coming from on this. It seems as if prior to Jesus, this is all that we've got here. That we are spiritually dead. Psychologically, we've got this going on. There is an immaterial part of us that's still functioning prior to Jesus. Everybody knows that. You have mind, will, emotions. You have desires to do things. You have feelings when people hurt you. And you have things going on up here that are not a part of your material body, but they're an immaterial part of your body that's rooted in something material. It's rooted in brain matter. It's rooted in some other things. So this is where a drawing is difficult because you're a complex human being. Um, but prior to Jesus, it looks like when Adam and Eve rejected God and walked away from him, they became spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, um, following the course of this world under the prince of the power of the air, that sort of thing. But you're dead. And then when, he, when Jesus talks to John, I'm, I'm sorry, not John, in the book of John, Jesus is talking to a guy named Nicodemus. And he says, don't you know that you need to be born again? You need to be born of the Spirit, is what he says later in that dialogue. In some sense, when we believe in Jesus, our spirit is resurrected, okay? And that is the first fruits of us being fully and bodily resurrected when Jesus returns again. So I'm going to say before you submitted yourself to Jesus, this is all that's going on. After you submit yourself to Jesus, there's something that comes alive in you that I would say is your spirit. And also at the same time, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you and communes with your spirit. Galatians says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed children of God. So you see where I'm coming from in that communing language. So in here, for some reason, God has decided to dwell. The Trinitarian God has decided to dwell in the human, becoming his temple. Interesting. I can't fully understand that or explain that. Okay, but prior to Jesus, this wasn't going on, okay? So you are a body with mind, will, and emotions. And if you've become a believer, then your spirit has come alive, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you, bearing witness with your spirit, speaking and directing. Okay, let's read. This is the general makeup. Question? We have the whiteboard, so we can take questions tonight. Okay, I'm just going to assume that you all fully agree Okay, um, I'm going to cap this or it'll dry out. Okay, let's read 12, 1 and 2. That's all we're going to look at tonight, Romans 12, 1 and 2. <clears throat> Before we read, context. Let's remember where we've come from. Up till now, uh, in Romans 1 to 11, man, I want to sum this up as quickly and as succinctly as I can for our purposes, but... Um, man, Paul has deconstructed and reconstructed, what it, honestly, what it means to be a human. He has deconstructed, and now, in Jesus' name, come on. Um, he's deconstructed and reconstructed what it means to be the people of God, and really the people of God are the new and true humanity. 
What I mean by that is humans were created in the image of God uh, to carry forth his dominion, his rule over the earth. They rejected him, incurred wrath, and then he created these people, the Israelites, who he was in relationship with and who were supposed to carry his kingdom, his rulership, his way of life to the rest of the earth. The Jews failed at doing that, and so they incurred wrath while they waited for the Messiah to come to set all things right, to free the Jews from all of the bondage that they are in, and to also free the rest of humanity. Well, Paul is writing Romans specifically to say that Jesus the Messiah is the one who frees the Jews from bondage, but not bondage to Rome, bondage to sin, bondage to Satan, and bondage to the world and its lies. And now, having been freed from that, they are freed to be the new and true humanity that they were always intended to be, to be those humans in relationship with God and who carry his kingdom, his way of life, and his dominion. Now, then you say, well, what about the Jews? Well, what about the Jews is that they rejected their Messiah, and they can enter into this new life and this new humanity if they want, but because their hearts and their eyes have been blinded, they've rejected their Messiah, all of the non-Jews who have accepted the Messiah, are now not taking the place of the Jews. They are just functioning as the true humanity who has become alive and who has been filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit is what replaces the old covenant that the Jews had. So the Jews had laws to tell them what to do. They had a covenant uh, that gave this long prescription of laws. And now instead of following the letter of the law, These new humans who have accepted Jesus by faith and not by works of the law have been filled with his spirit. And we've made all the way through 9 to 11, and the question now comes up, not just what about the law, but how does someone who is filled by the spirit and these old rules and these old ways of doing things like sacrificing a goat or a pigeon or a bull and then coming to worship after you've sacrificed a goat or a pigeon or a bull and washed yourself in some wash basin, now you come and you sing songs and you repeat scriptures. That's the old way of doing it. Now, does sacrifice have any place in this new way of interacting with God. If it's by faith and Jesus was the final sacrifice and now I'm filled with the Spirit and the old code is kind of gone, is there a place for sacrifice? Is there a place for worship? And what does that look like? So he's going to start with these two sentences and he's going to unpack that for the rest of the book. And that's what he's saying. There is a place for sacrifice and worship. It just looks different than it used to. And he's going to unpack in this little bud in 1 and 2 how we begin to think about sacrifice and worship now that Jesus has come and and paid all the sacrifice. Now that he's done everything, how do we sacrifice and worship in this new covenant, in this new way of doing things? So let's read. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I just want to stop there. That's all we're going to look at tonight. So in this new way, It's not that you bring a goat and you sacrifice it and enter in. You yourselves are a living sacrifice. So what does he mean by that? How how should we understand that? Two unpacks it. You have been conformed to the pattern of this world. 
you've been conformed. Ever since the day you were born, you've lived in a world that had value systems, that had um, ways of doing and ways of being that you have fallen into. What it means to be beautiful. What it means to be good. What it means to be acceptable. What it means to be successful. What it means to be valuable. How do you achieve value? How do you achieve beauty? How do you achieve success? All these things are what I mean. You have been raised in a world that has told you specific things about what it means to be beautiful, about what it means to be good, what it means to be valuable, what it means to be a human, what it means to be successful. And you've been conformed to that image. And there's really nothing you could have done about it. So what I want you to see here in this little drawing is this. That the world has given specific messages, specific things, ways of being and ways of thinking to your mind. Okay? And what I want you to see is this. Your mind is kind of the the gateway to all this. Your mind affects your emotions. Make sense? When I walk into my bathroom, when I take a shower, and I look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, good Lord, Terrell, you've let yourself go. You should work out. And that mind isn't disconnected. That thought isn't disconnected from me. That creates emotions that make me feel low. And then I tell myself, well, you're already married, so it doesn't matter anymore. My wife would say different. It does matter. But my mind affects my emotions. You have this stuff going on all day. And then my mind affects my will, right? Terrell, you've let yourself go. So what do I do? I buy a gym membership. I don't go to the gym, but I buy a gym membership. I get $47 out of my account every month, and I haven't been in two months. My mind affects my will. It affects my choices. My emotions affect my choices as well. The mind speaks to the emotions, speaks to the will. And then all of this affects the body. What's going on in my mind affects my body. What I do affects my body. What I feel affects my body. Stress destroys the body. Anxiety destroys the body. So do you see what I mean? The mind then becomes the gatekeeper for all of this. Prior to this happening, though, prior to the spirit working in you, prior to the spirit coming alive in you, there's only a few sources that speak into your mind. The world is one, so the world and its messages. Uh, throw at me, just throw at me. What are messages that the world tells your mind? Get money. Okay. We're just going to draw them out. Get money. Not good enough. Okay. Sex is better. More is better. Come on, y'all are deep. 
You need pills. Mm. The world told me that for a long time. What is it, Jerry? Get all you want. Mm, we'll put that next to money. Mm, that's what led me down the pill route. Exactly. Mm, okay. Get a mate. Okay, let's stop there. Right. And when we say world, every world is a little different. And when I say every world, I mean these messages are particularly Western and American. There are different messages in South Africa, different messages in Iran. There's different messages. We get these particular messages. Now, we can even go a step further just for a second. You also grew up in a particular world called your home, and it had messages. Now, some of you might have grown up in a home that had good messages, that helped you meet these messages that you get in the larger world. Some of you grew up in homes where you got these messages on steroids because they weren't coming through a commercial. They were coming from your dad in your face. That's particularly difficult. Particularly difficult. But the world has messages, and it conforms you to its image by speaking them into your mind creating emotions, and creating choices that affect all of you. Okay. Ephesians 2 also tells us that where does the world get its messages from? So you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world under the prince of the power of the air. Interesting, right? It's funny that all of these, when you pursue them to their end, kill you. That's so interesting. These people that have gotten money and gotten all that they want, they look happy. They look filled. They look satisfied. Not for the most part, no. Incidentally, not only does the demonic realm control the way the world goes, the demonic realm has the capacity to speak into your mind. It's particularly biblically that Satan put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. So that's happening, and it's happening in line with this. And then, lucky you, you have your flesh. This is all you. Your flesh tells your mind, get money. Get all you want. Look at porn. It'll feel great. Your flesh receives these messages with joy. Now, not all of them, but some of them. It rejects some and accepts others. So your flesh speaks to your mind. Now, this looks grim, right? This looks grim. But what happens after you become a believer, after you've submitted to Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you? <clears throat> Let, let's just, to be fair, some worlds have what I would call biblical influence. Some worlds are not nearly as bad as other worlds. Okay? 
So let's just be fair. That happens a little bit. What happens when the Spirit comes and dwells inside of you is you get this other voice. You get this other voice. So, okay, after I draw this and then we read Ephesians, I mean, sorry, we read Romans 12 too. Does it, it, I mean, this kind of makes sense, right? When he says, the new way of worshiping and sacrifice, the new way of worshiping and sacrifice is to present yourself to God. Because your flesh has reigned and ruled in your life. And your mind has been conformed to the pattern of this world. It's been completely conformed to it. And so now that the Holy Spirit is leading, the Holy Spirit is guiding you to put to death the parts of you that are in line with the world and really are in line with the will of Satan for your life. So the sacrifice within this new way that Jesus offers is not bring a goat to make you right before God. No, Jesus has received all the sacrifice to make you right before God. He has been the sacrifice. But you are still conformed to the image that has been created by Satan and the demonic realm via the world and your flesh willingly accepting all of these ideas. So sacrifice and the worship inside of this new way of life, being the true humanity, being a part of the people of God, now it is putting to death as the Spirit leads these specific places in your heart and your mind where you have been conformed to this image. Okay? But don't be overwhelmed. We have a good Father that knows how to lead and guide at every step about what needs to be put to death when. He loves and he cherishes and so he leads. But there are places in you and in me that need to be put to death. There are ways that we treat our friends. There are ways that we treat ourselves. There are ways that we think about ourselves. There are ways that we engage with money. There are ways that we engage with alcohol. There are ways that we engage with pills. There are ways that we engage with the world around us that need to be put to death. And that's what he says in 12.2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformation, you changing and becoming different, you changing and becoming different, you becoming the thing that you see in the Bible or the thing you see in your mind or whatever it is, transformation in your life does not happen any other way than this. Transformation happens as your mind is renewed, not after This, or this, or this, but after this. So transformation happens as your mind is renewed by the Holy Spirit. We interact with the Holy Spirit in three ways. God's people. God's word, and directly. That was bad. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your mind via the Bible, via the people around you who know it and know the voice of his spirit. And knowing the voice of his spirit is exceptionally difficult because these voices are exceptionally loud. Exceptionally loud. 
and we live in a world that has made them louder. So you probably study while you listen to music, and then you get in your car, and you turn on music, and then you get out of your car and walk to class and listen to music, and then you get to class and you leave one earphone in, and you listen to the guy talking into music, and then you leave class and you put the other, and then you get in your car and you listen to music. You take your buds out, and you turn on TV, message, 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 message. In the shows you watch, in the commercials you see, and in every song that you hear, there's a message. And typically that message is, get money, get all you want, you're not good enough, get a sweet car, sex is God, more is better, you need pills. And you take a deep breath in of it all day. Transformation happens as we listen to the Spirit via God's people, via God's word, and directly. Okay, just for funsies. Like, it's specifically it's simple to understand, right? When he's saying, worship and sacrifice, you being the true humanity filled with the Spirit of God, is about, honestly, it's very simple. It's about listening to this voice over these voices. And when I say this changes everything about your life, what I want you to see is this. Prior to Jesus and even after Jesus, you can be, in, in the words we use are bondage or you're a slave. You're a slave to this and these messages. You're a slave to the demonic realm in your flesh, but really you're a slave to these messages prior to Jesus because there's no other voice. You're a slave. You are following in line. And, and, and they're... they're Every subculture has different messages, right? To paint this as like all that the world says is completely wrong, right? There, this, every subculture has different messages. Every home has different messages. Some aren't as bad as this. Everybody's had their own experience growing up, but you can feel this push on your life. After you receive Jesus, after you trust him and follow him, you are now in the opportunity to not be in bondage, to not be a slave, because you can hear this voice and you can reject these voices. Ephesians 2 says you couldn't even reject these voices prior to Jesus. You could, you could exchange this one for a different one. Like you can exchange uh, you need pills for, what's that subculture that was real huge? Uh, for straight edge. It have nothing to do with Jesus. But you're exchanging a message for a message. And then, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, it specifically says in Galatians, I believe it's 5.1, it's for freedom you were set free. So stand firm, therefore, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. You submit again to a yoke of slavery in your mind. So you can be a believer and submit your mind again to slavery. You can submit your mind to bondage. And we did this when I was meeting with a couple people, and I want to do it again. What are the particular things that you can be a slave to, in bondage to? Think Emotions that you can't shake, 
feelings that just don't go away. I mean, things you want to change about you that you just can't change about you. So when I say in bondage, what can you be in bondage to? What can you be a slave to? What is it? ADHD? Okay. Fear. Arrogance. Come on now. <laughs> What's it, Michael Bailey? Autism. Failure. That's to make next to past. What is it? Perfection. Let's do that next to arrogance. Bitterness next to anger. Loneliness. Whoa, hold on. And apathy is close to ignorance. Oppression. Instability. Okay, all right, we got to stop there. Okay, fifth. What was the last one you said, Michael Bailey? Jealousy. And then what would you say, Jerry? Self. Mm. Okay. Okay. So keeping in mind that some of these things are the product of broken humanity. That I've seen Jesus step in and heal completely and do away with in a moment. And some... He doesn't. We look forward to the day that he returns again and resurrects these bodies and changes everything. But a lot of these, the vast majority, are things that you don't have to live with your whole life and have very much to do with Romans 12 too. That you not being conformed to the pattern of this world and you being transformed by you taking control here. And when I say taking control, I mean taking control in Jesus' name to agree with what he has said. My guess is you, for the most part, the most of you, have a low degree of control or intentionality in what goes on up here. On a day-to-day basis, the things that cross your mind, you automatically assume are the product of you, and they are things that you ought to agree with. Most of the things that cross your mind you think are the product of you and things that ought to be agreed with. Most of us haven't really learned what I would call um, intentional thought control. And when I say that, I don't mean that you can control everything that you think. I do mean that you can control how long you linger on thoughts in your mind. You do get to decide not what crosses your mind, but you do get to say, nope, that one sucks. Or, yeah, I agree with that one, I'm going to keep that one. You do have that authority and that control. So one thing we talked about this week, the difference between 
being mature in Christ and being free in Christ, being free in Christ really just begins by saying, no, I do believe that there is a degree of control that I exercise here, and I'm going to begin saying no to the lies that the world tells me, that my flesh tells me, and the demonic realm tell me. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not valuable enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not loved. You're not valuable. All those things. To say, no, 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 and meet that with the truth that the Holy Spirit is giving to me via his word, his people, indirectly. You are valuable because an infinitely high price has been paid for you. Don't fear because I will provide everything that you need. I hold all things in my hand, and I hold you in my hand as well. There are truths that we meet lies with, and that is how our mind is transformed, and we are transformed. But it begins with us taking authority over what goes on in here and not just being slaves to it. And not just assuming that because it's there, it's a product of me and I should agree with it. Your thoughts are coming from here, 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 or here. Period. And the more maturity, I'm sorry, maturity happens the more you say, I agree with this, and I reject this. That's all maturity is. Because when that happens, you're going to see the Holy Spirit taking more control of your will, more control of your emotions, and therefore, more control of all of you. You have authority in Jesus' name for a sound mind. You've been given that. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind. You're not a slave to your thoughts. Now, you have probably had thoughts, most definitely, for your whole life. And when I say that, I mean you've had particular thoughts for most of your life. You've had particular ways of thinking that you adopted when you were like four or seven or ten a lot of times because of trauma, a lot of times because of rejection, a lot of times because of hurt or abuse and all these things. You adopt ways of thinking. And psychologically speaking, your mind then, as you think a thought and think a thought and think a thought, Keith talked about this, I don't know, six months ago when we let Keith Hubbard preach, that your neurons in your brain, your, the nerve endings in your brain after they have a thought, and a thought, and a thought, they grow stronger and stronger and thicker and thicker. And so it's not just that you decide, I'm not going to be fearful, and that's it. It's that you decide that the thing that causes fear is a lie from the enemy or from the world, and then you learn to meet that fear with a truth that you have believed about God, about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who have made promises to you specifically regarding fear regarding who he is and who you are, and the more you meet that lie with truth, you break down the way your mind has been conformed to a specific pattern. And you grow in maturity. It's not overnight. It's not without difficulty, and it's not without failure, but every failure has been paid for by the blood of Jesus, and we move forward in all of our failures, not remembering them or dwelling on them, just moving forward, know that I've been given authority in Jesus' name to move out of this, and I don't have to be here forever. <clears throat> so simply put, Simply put, what is it over here that's huge for you? And this can't be fixed from a stage. 
This is fixed as you engage. It's gone now with God's people. I've seen people set free from nearly all of these things, but it didn't happen from up here. It happened as they sat down and across a coffee table, we got to the root of fear. And that fear, if you're honest with yourself, isn't just there. It's the product of particular thoughts. Particular statements. Lust. Particular thoughts. Anger, bitterness, arrogance, pride. They're rooted in particular thoughts that you have. Freedom happens as you learn to meet them and stand up against them, knowing that you have authority in Jesus' name over every power at work against you, your flesh, the world, and the demonic realm. And as you continually say yes, wash yourself in the water of the word so that you can receive and understand the voice of the Spirit more clearly. So you know what he's saying. So maybe let's end with that if we could. From some of the that have faced some of these things and are walking through some of these things and are learning to fight. What is the spirit saying? We know what the world is saying. We know what the world is saying. But what is the spirit saying? And let's be specific here. What do we see in the word that the spirit is saying? Let's root it in something like that. So in regards to fear, anger, get money, not good enough. You're unloved. You're not valuable. What is the Spirit saying to you? Specifically via his word. And if you know something, you just don't know where it is, throw it out, and then someone else will help you find where it is. Hold on now. One more time. Do not awaken love until it's ready. That's Song of Solomon. That's right. Okay. So, if you're particularly caught up in needing a mate because you feel like finding the right girl, the right guy is going to be what satisfies and fills and completes you, what he's saying is don't awaken love until it's ready, that he knows what he's doing. What has he said about you? Particularly. Okay. Okay, tell me where we're finding that. Y'all got to? Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You said like four of them. But yeah, we're going to add that to you are worthy is. Deeply loved. Covered, paid for. Ooh, you are an image bearer. I read that book. That was a good one. Okay. So, deeply loved. Like I said earlier, his spirit, his spirit bears witness that our spirit, that he is indeed Father, and by which we cry, Abba, Father. In Aramaic, Abba, by which we cry, Daddy. By which we cry out to our dad who loves and cares completely and fully. 
that you are covered and paid for. That the blood of Jesus has washed clean every single thing that separates you from your Father. He has taken the sacrifice on himself and covered you by his blood. So nothing gets in the way of you coming before your Father who loves you and saying, I failed, but it's not going to stand between us. I'm scared, but I trust you. I'm anxious, but I know you provide. What else? Ooh, Timothy? One Timothy, yeah. I'm just, I can't write that one down. It's just long, but very good. Okay. The wicked heart. Okay, now, I want to meet that one. I want to meet that one with something that's true post-Jesus. So, yes, our hearts are wicked because we have been marred and conformed to this image. Jesus died for sinners. Mm, Simple and good. Simmers? That hits the arrogance one that you mentioned, huh? Amen, Nathan Watts. Okay. Come on, I know you got more. Mm, Come on now. That's good. Okay, let's do one more. Yeah, yeah, come on. Come on now. You didn't have to read that one. Just know it. Okay, let's do one more, actually. Yeah, 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 okay. Okay, what I want you to see with that is that there are particular truths that meet particular lives. Maturity and freedom happens as you learn to reject lies quickly and accept truth quickly. The longer a thought runs through your mind, and it's really the same thing as when you think about lust. Okay, for guys, let's just run with this because I'm a guy and I know what it's like to walk around SFA campus. You walk around campus and some girl's on her way to the gym and she walks in front of you. When she walks in front of you and you notice her, you haven't sinned. When she walks in front of you and you're like staring like a weirdo, and then you keep staring and then it keeps going and all these thoughts start coming to your mind, there you've entered in. It's the same thing with thoughts. It's the same thing with thoughts. You've not sinned. You've not failed when that thought comes across your mind. 
But when you take that thought of anger or rejection or fear or anxiety or your lack of value or whatever it is, and it goes, and then you, like a weirdo, start staring at it and taking it in and letting that offense that's happened to you get rooted more deeply and more deeply and more deeply that bitterness takes hold. When you think about what might happen in your life if you fail this test, if I fail this test and I don't get into nursing school, if I don't get into nursing school, then the rest of my future is going to completely fall apart. So you let this thought develop into this monster. Maturity happens as you see the thought and you say no because I'm rooted in what I believe. You have authority to decide what you believe. You don't get to decide everything you think. You do get to decide what you believe. So when you meet your thoughts with your beliefs, you're going to see a change in your emotions, a change in your choices, and a change in you. And that's all that he's saying here. We're going to read it one more time. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect.